Welcome to Voices of History, Lest They Be Forgotten. I am your host, Larry Capetto. Hopefully you're having a good day. And I'm just thrilled again. This is episode three to be bringing you these firsthand accounts of some of the veteran stories I've interviewed over the many years. I've been doing this project for 15 years now. If you can imagine gathering all these stories and traveling across North America and parts of the world and meeting what I call heroes. Every one of these veterans is a hero to me. It's very amazing that not one of them has ever called themselves a hero. They always tell me, Larry, the real heroes never came back. And I understand what they're saying and I agree with them. But to me, they're all heroes. And you know, we live in a day, people, where our young generation is looking for role models and heroes. And I I tell them that I have found mine in the many veterans that I've interviewed, the many military veterans I've interviewed for this amazing documentary series, Lest They Be Forgotten. So we're going to go right into episode three. If you want to get a little bit more information about my work, you can listen to the first two episodes. Uh, today, we're going we're gonna to feature another Vietnam veteran story, Bill Wedekind. Bill lives in Texas. Oh my goodness, I first met Bill in Westmoreland, Kansas about 2010. I went there with uh, Lieutenant Lee Alley from Vietnam, 5th of, of the 60th, excuse me. Uh, Lee was a, a lieutenant in Vietnam. He heard of Bill Wedekind and uh, he introduced me to him in 2010. And it was just an amazing, an amazing uh, connection there. I went on to become friends with Bill. We've done some school presentations together, actually quite a few. We've spoken to thousands of students across the country. He has a very inspiring story. Two weeks before his 19th birthday in Vietnam, he was severely wounded in an explosion, which cost him both hands and his eyes. He's not, all, he's not only blind, he has no eyes. The, the sockets in his eyes are artificial. One of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life, just like Charlie Mason in our first episode. Bill also suffered a severe head wound, and basically, I don't know how he lived. When he tells a story, it's incredible that he even lived. But like I said, he talks to kids in schools today, encourages them to use what they have. His favorite quote is from Henry Ford. Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Bill, I love you. He's a Marine, always a Marine. Wonderful, wonderful man. This love this guy, and I'm happy to share his story with you. So this is Bill Wedekind, the Marine, and I'll be back with you after Bill. We had had movement. I was on a fixed observation post in Antenna Valley, and we had movement on our perimeter the night before, and the hill at the other end of the valley was getting hit pretty hard. If you had a, a firefight, you were normally in trouble because you're normally too deep to get any help. And there was eight of you. So you were pretty much out to lunch. So you, you avoided them as much as possible. And we started getting movement in front of my position, actually. And uh, Sarge says, okay, we're gonna call in some perimeter fire. And we, he requested 155, couple rounds. And they fired two rounds. One hit maybe 200 yards or so in front of my position. The second round hit about that far behind my position. And I hollered at Sarge, I said, they're not firing a third, are they? Sarge asked me if I would volunteer to lead a four-man patrol and check the perimeter, because I'd helped set up the booby traps. It was my first time doing that. I was too boot to do it. I think he thought I had more experience than what I did. I started down around the hill, and I went around a corner, and the guy behind me was around the corner, too. And then next thing I knew, I was in Bethesda Naval Hospital, Bethesda, Maryland. I ain't got a clue. 
I must have tripped something. I was still conscious afterwards, but don't remember it. God was good to me. He didn't let me remember it because I was answering questions. And he was also very good to me because I had a Navy corpsman there that was an E6. They generally don't go out in the field. He was good. He kept me and the guy that was with me alive for 45 minutes before we got medevaced. And we both had severe head wounds. Um, of course, both my eyes, part of this ear, both eardrums were busted. It took out about four teeth on my upper jaw, cut my lip all the way through to the right side of my nose. I can't pull my jeans up very far. Broke my leg here. This here and here was due to the Vietnam. And then a hole here and a hole here. This leg was not touched or my chest. I got two scars on this shoulder and one on this one. Plus, like I said, my forehead, plate and forehead. I was wounded 25th of May. I got back to Bethesda Naval Hospital the 9th of June, day after my 19th birthday. For two weeks, I thought I could still see. Your mind does some strange things. And of course, I thought I still had my hands. I mean, if I want to twiddle my thumbs, that's what I'm doing. I still could still feel them, drum my fingers. The nerves don't know the hand isn't there. So you still feel them, and they're bandaged, okay? It didn't realize to me that they were too short. I mean, you know, there should have been that much more of them. I didn't realize that, didn't, you know, you don't think about those things. And I had bandages over my head from a head wound. And the bandages weren't, you know, down across my eyes, so I thought that's why I couldn't see. But see, I thought I could see a little bit through them, so things were kind of fuzzy. Well, it was my imagination. And my mom and dad came, to, came up after I'd been there about two weeks. They finally were able to come to Bethesda because it's a long way from Kansas. I wanted the bandages taken off so I could see them clearly. And dad says, no, you're blind. I said, no, I'm not. I can see you. He said, Bill, you lost your hands and your eyes. Mom was going at it too, both of them. You lost both your hands and your eyes. I said, no, I can feel my hands. I know they're there. But I can see you. I said, Dad, you're wearing your brown suit and you got your red tie. Navy corpsman came over, had chain bandages. This guy was sharp. He unwrapped my arm. He said, oh, I forgot some stuff. Be back. Well, he wasn't. He didn't forget anything. He just stepped back. Well, first thing I did was put my arm up in my face. And there was no hand on the end of it. And I measured my arms. They were the same length. That's when I believed what Mom and Dad were telling me. I don't know how many operations I've had, and too many. The most crucial ones uh, and the most important ones were what they did with my forearms. This operation is called a Krokenberg amputation. It was developed in Germany after World War I because there were so many German soldiers who were blind and double-hand amputees. And he came up with this idea to allow them to be, do things for themselves. Because the advantage of this, you can feel what you're doing. With, with a hook or prosthetic, you can't. Um, what this operation does, it separates the two bones in the forearm halfway at the elbow, and then attaches the muscles that control the thumb to this inside bone, the radius. And when you want to close it, you just lay the thumb against the side of your hand, open it, and you move the thumb. I had plastic surgery done, like I mentioned. This upper lip had been cut clear in two, and they, did, they removed the scar and then put a skin graft in there. I can't grow any any mustache there. The skin for that come off the back of my neck. 
this right ear of mine, the middle section of it, middle third of it was gone, had been blown out. And he molded the cartilage that was in my left ear, transposed it for the right ear. So he had a mold of what piece of cartilage was needed. I've had ear drums rebuilt and work on this lower right eyelid that was not successful and a plate put in my forehead here. And you can't dwell on why me. If you think too much and too long about it, you're going to start pitying yourself. And then you go in the tank. And it's real hard to fight back from that. Because there's two little forms of, of pleasure devices that will enter into it, and that's drugs and alcohol. If you start feeling sorry for yourself and you crawl off in a corner, you're going to turn to one or the other. Although you don't even have to. Just self-pity alone can kill you because you give up hope. So I didn't think about why me too long. It didn't matter. It's irrelevant. Because what's happened has happened. You can't change it. You can't hit the rewind button. It ain't going to go back. So you got to learn to deal with it. And the best way to learn to deal with it is going forward, not looking backwards. And that's what you do when you think about why me. I depend on a quotation by Henry Ford. And that is, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. If you don't think you can do it, I guarantee you, you won't be able to. But if you believe you can, you got it half whipped. The only thing you got to do then is work hard. Because a lot of the things I've done, people didn't think could be done by someone with my disabilities. If you believe that you, that you can, that's the key to the whole thing. If you believe in yourself enough that you can and you're willing to, to be courageous enough to try it, and you've got the willpower to stick to it and you're determined to get the job done, it'll, it'll, it'll happen for you. It's just a matter of doing it. That and you can't ever quit. If I quit, and I've done it, when I let down, and start saying, oh, poor me. Man, I go in the tank quick. And it's a fight to get back. Because it's a natural tendency to want to feel sorry for yourself, you know. I was extremely lucky. I got a lot of support from a lot of people. The biggest help a lot of people did was back off and let me try it on my own. And not rush in to fix it if I didn't make it right. Let me figure it out. You've got to fail once in a while in order to succeed. And if you fail first, the success comes a little sweeter. We did a damn good job. We did it right. And there's not a one of us got anything to be ashamed of. We won. It just wasn't acknowledged. There is a price for it. It's not free. You've got to work at it. You've got to protect it. You've got to guard against people trying to take it away from you. And there's plenty of that going on. I'd go back in if I could. Didn't I tell you? What an inspiring story. You know, if you want to see Bill, he's not that pretty to look at, and he understands how I say that, okay? But the link to his video, the link to what you just heard is on a video in the description uh, on this podcast. And I invite you to look at Bill. He's a wonderful guy. You'll love him too. And what you don't know about Bill, or what, well, you might know through a little bit of the podcast, but Bill makes pottery. He has no hands, no eyes. He has made pottery for over 40 years. I've got some of his pottery 
He even signs the pottery. It's incredible. The man is such an inspiration. And I hope you really were blessed by his story. If you were, I'd like to hear from you. Send me an email. Get on my website. Look at what I've done. I've done a lot of things with my life. I've been called a church without walls, a renaissance man, and some other things too. (laughs) Good things, hopefully. But uh, Bill and I have worked together. Like I said, I really love working with Bill in the schools. And he's just a great guy. I can tell you so many interesting stories about Bill. But you'll see it for yourself if you watch the video. So thank you for listening and watching. Like I said, get a hold of me. Let me know you're out there so we can keep these things going. And this is episode three on the way to how many? I've got hundreds of stories. So uh, thank you for listening and watching. God bless you. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you.